Welcome to All Students of Stanford Unite, the official podcast of the Associated Students of Stanford University and Stanford Student Enterprises. I'm your host, Cricket Vitalman. Today's guest is Gianna So, who is the Chief of Staff for the ASSU. Hi, Gianna. Hi, Cricket. Would you mind telling us a little more about yourself? Yeah, so as you said, I'm Gianna. I use she, her pronouns. I've been involved with the ASSU since my freshman year when I was in the Senate Associate Program and have been heavily involved in student activism outside of the ASSU as well. So being involved with student advocacy on campus really matters a lot to me and I've really loved my experience working with students and admin as well. What first inspired you to get involved with on-campus advocacy efforts? I first got involved my freshman year because I had seen a lot of the ways that Stanford policies and the way the university was navigating certain issues was really hurting myself and also communities that I cared a lot about. So actually my freshman year, one of the biggest reasons I got involved with student advocacy was because I saw an article in the Daily about how workers at Ariaga had submitted a petition to their management about being mistreated in the workplace. So I was really surprised that this was happening in a place that I was frequenting every single day and that I had no idea about it. And I just wanted to know how to do something around that. And that's why I originally joined the Senate Associate Program and how I also got connected to mentors like Lizzie Ford, who was on Senate at the time that really showed me effective ways to pursue institutional advocacy, especially around service workers issues. So what did you end up doing about it then? So on the Senate Associate Program, I really got to help Lizzie out a lot with what she was doing, which was actually around professional development for workers on campus and making that more accessible through staff funding. And also generally helping spread the word about these issues as well. We would hand out flyers during Admit Weekend or partner with Scope 2035 to advocate more about affordable housing in the community at large. That year, I really got a taste of what institutional advocacy could look like around service workers. But the next year, I ended up running for Senate, becoming deputy chair. And my personal advocacy on Senate was really, really focused on service workers. So that year, I got to work with the union on campus, SEIU Local 2007, and actually help them prepare for contract negotiations that were happening that next summer. Issues on the table were about compensation, benefits, affordable housing, healthcare, and we really got to work with workers directly and garner support for them on the student side and support what the union was already doing to fight for them. I feel like that's something we take for granted. We get to know these people as the service workers who provide a safe and healthy campus for us, but we don't really talk to them. We don't really get to know them as people. Yeah, definitely. That was something we thought about a lot as well. We, as in what is now Students for Workers' Rights, a student group on campus that is focused on advocating for workers. The initial iteration of that was called the Campus Workers Coalition my sophomore year. And that was really born out of all these groups on campus that were focusing on different aspects of workers' issues and wanting to bring them together and to build solidarity in terms of getting students to support workers and what they were advocating for. We knew that one of the biggest obstacles to students engaging with workers' issues is that they weren't engaging with workers themselves. They would just swipe into dining halls, not even say hi to the person that was swiping them in sometimes, you know, didn't even say hi to the person that was cooking their meals and cleaning bathrooms for them. Humanizing workers and giving 
students a perspective on the lives that they live outside of what they see as the work they do on campus was really important to us. So we actually started publishing worker stories in the daily every week in the spring of my sophomore year to tell students these are incredible people that you should be interacting with more on campus and also people whose livelihoods and well-being in the workplace you should really care about because their work is directly tied to how we get to thrive at Stanford as well. Was there anyone in particular who you've gotten to know? Yeah, my freshman year, I really got to know one of the people who worked in Wilbur Dining, and I called her Tita Mercy. I, yeah, she was one of my favorite people on campus, honestly, freshman year. I was having a really rough fall, and just seeing her in the dining hall every day, getting to talk to her in Tagalog, which is my parents' native language, just hear about how she was doing in terms of, you know, what was happening with workers, but also just getting to talk to her as someone who really reminded me of home was really special for me freshman year and honestly really made me feel comfortable on campus. So just seeing, you know, how small interactions like that really contributed to how my freshman fall went really made me care about advocating for these issues as well because it didn't seem like a lot of others were aware of them in the first place. And relationships like that with the people in my dorm and in dining halls was how I got to learn about those issues firsthand. I think that's something that a lot of people have difficulty with, especially in freshman fall quarter. I remember I had a little bit of difficulty finding a friend group, and I love my friends so much now, but getting to that point was a little difficult. One of the people that I know best from Flomo, which is where I was freshman quarter, is Chef Daniel. At first, I would just say hi to him, and that was about it, but then eventually I started actually having conversations, and I think that that was a very incredible experience. I've been thinking about this a lot lately as well. Like, I think it's an issue in terms of how the university invisibilizes labor. They actively tell workers to not form relationships with students. That's what we were hearing my freshman year directly from workers and the union as well, because that was a primary way that students got to know about workers' issues on campus. Even in staff training, you know, there's not an explicit mention of, oh, during your residence's first week, maybe introduce the people who will be cooking and cleaning for them every single day. There isn't an acknowledgement of the labor that goes into making campus run smoothly every day and making students feel welcome every day. I really like what you said in terms of making it feel like you weren't just using this person because I think right now, without that explicit acknowledgement from the university, it oftentimes just defaults to that because there isn't this universal message of these are people that we should greatly value every single day from the university. Yeah, because I would argue that without these people on campus, we wouldn't really have much of a life at all. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that, that really is what leads my advocacy work. It's just really disappointing to see how people who are so necessary not being given the respect they deserve. And you know, that would, would hold true, the fact that they deserve respect no matter their value to the university. So both you and I mentioned how it was a little bit difficult finding friend groups and communities during freshman fall quarter, but unfortunately this year's incoming frosh and transfer students won't really have that privilege of being able to get to know workers. So how would you suggest that people both find communities and friend groups and get to know workers on campus? 
Yeah, I think that is a really difficult thing to do right now. I think even as students for workers' rights, we are having a lot of trouble communicating with workers and hearing about their situations without that physical aspect of just being able to walk up to them in our dorms or in dining halls and ask how they've been doing lately. In terms of getting to know them, if you are on campus and you do see someone cleaning your dorm, if you're swiping into a dining hall or grabbing your food I think most basic way to start that relationship is to just say hi you know ask them how their day is doing it doesn't have to get into you know talking about workers issues from the get-go because that can also feel the opposite of casual and like the opposite of wanting to get to know someone and just learning about difficulties they're facing other than that I think if you're off campus joining students for workers rights would be a great way just because we really are a student group that has direct connections to workers. And if you are really interested in that, that would be a great place to start. Other than that, I think it's really hard to get in touch with workers on campus if, if you're completely remote. Yeah, and I don't think that the university would allow this, but I wonder if we could have video spotlights highlighting the various workers and how they're keeping campus safe, especially this year in the middle of the pandemic, or if we could maybe even do a Zoom social hour type of thing where students could just come and get to know them. Yeah, that would be amazing. I don't know who would be willing on campus to organize that, but in terms of the socials, we have been thinking about that a lot too, but also not being on campus, you know, it's a little hard to get everyone's contact information, you know, organize something that works for a ton of people. So thank you for, for bringing that up. It's definitely something that SWR will think about more. So shifting away from that, you are the executive chief of staff and you work very closely with Viana and the new vice president, Chris. What does your job entail? Yeah, so as chief of staff, my primarily responsibilities are to support exec. That looks like leading our team of um, 26 cabinet directors across 10 issue areas, helping exec brainstorm strategy, and also attending meetings with administrators. I organize our bi-weekly meetings for cabinet. I have check-ins with issue areas, and overall I just really keep an eye on which parts of both cabinet and the ASSU in general would benefit from more support on exec's end. Lately, because of the transition we've been going through, I've been taking on more of an active role in terms of the executive core group, and I've been leading the vice president selection process. I really love this role because it's not as much of a public facing position, but I still get to be involved in a variety of issues and responsibilities that I really care about while being in a high impact role. So it's actually really similar to my position as deputy chair on Senate, I would say, which I really, really enjoyed my sophomore year. How do you feel like your experience with advocacy on campus, both in the ASSU and with SWR, has contributed to your position and responsibilities this year? Yeah, I think that my experience as someone who's been involved in both ASSU and student activism on campus, not through the ASSU, has really shown me what effective advocacy can look like. Through the ASSU, there's a really unique position of having all of this access to administrators and being reported about in the daily pretty consistently. That is a really good tool for pushing for change and really highlighting issues that you care about. You know, sometimes working with admin is not necessarily the most 
effective way to pursue a goal, especially when it's only getting started. So seeing other ways that groups have made change, for example, going back to Students for Workers' Rights, how we've worked with the union on campus and seeing how SCOPE 2035 has worked with local government and really being community-based and directly bringing voices of the people you're advocating for to the table are things that I bring to the ASSU as well and things that I remember as alternative forms of change-making. Having that view of all these different options of advocacy that can work really helps me with chief of staff in terms of brainstorming on exec's end about how we should approach a problem and also helping individual issue areas approach the the specific goals that they have for the entire year. Is there a most effective form of advocacy and how do you choose which method is appropriate for which situation? Yeah, I am not sure about a most effective form. I think what is always really effective is a combination of many forms. Working with student groups to do some direct action to really highlight an issue and bring awareness among a large group at once. But that should also lead to some actionable change as well with the people who have the power to do so. For example, I'll use students for workers' rights throughout this interview because, of course, I'm knowledgeable about that, but also I think we've approached advocacy in a lot of ways. So, for example, during the spring in advocating for pay continuance for workers. We were doing a ton of petitions, a ton of fundraising. We organized a press conference with a ton of high-profile attendees. But we also met with administrations such as Elizabeth Zacharias to actually talk about how university policy can change in response to all this public attention the issue had garnered. I think that a mix of strategies is often the most effective just because that means you're pulling in so many stakeholders and getting as many people involved as possible. But it also takes a ton of labor on whoever is organizing all that advocacy. In terms of choosing which is most effective, it really depends on one, your own resources, and two, how the stakeholders that you are trying to work with, how willing they are to work with you as well. So how do you encourage Stanford workers then, whose jobs are on the line, to speak up for themselves? I think that probably would have been pretty difficult in general, but also last spring and now because we're still in the middle of a pandemic. I think that the gravity of the situation really pushed a lot of people to become more comfortable with speaking out because while on campus... There's a lot of fear of retaliation from management, a lot of reasons that workers obviously wouldn't want to speak out, but when their jobs are so on the line in terms of Stanford already having laid them off, I think that gave them more confidence in terms of communicating with students and with the student body in general about what was going on. We also have a lot of key advocates that speak out on behalf of workers as well, like workers themselves who are comfortable with being very public. A lot of people from the workers union that help with public statements, being the public face of what workers are experiencing. So we're very lucky to be working with those people as well, because we always want to recognize that speaking out can come with a lot of fear about what could happen to them and their livelihood. So asking workers to speak out is we enter our work in their voices directly. So when we get back to campus after all of this is over, how do you think we can take this current willingness to advocate and urge it to continue? 
I think that the willingness to speak out is also due to trusting students and those relationships. So building up those relationships again when we're back on campus will be really important, especially because when we get back on campus, a lot of the people that we're working with SWR will be graduated. New connections will probably have to be formed with members of SWR. I think having those relationships along with creating more sustainable ways for workers to communicate with students. So right now it's primarily through daily articles or when SWR highlights a quote on their Instagram. Maybe having a worker's Instagram so that they can share things directly or amplifying the union's presence on social media that already exists. I honestly think a lot of it would be around social media, but in terms of of other ways, probably having more like workers roundtables, ways for students to meet workers directly so they can really experience how much support there is for them on campus. Campus coverage of workers and their lives and their rights has been increasing last year and last spring and now, but before that there really wasn't that much. How do you think that this previous lack of coverage has affected campus culture and community? I think that the issue with coverage of workers on campus is that to me when i was a freshman and up until SAWR really got ramped up with its work the only time workers were covered in the daily was if they were experiencing an issue it was only workers in the news because they were delivering a petition about feeling discriminated against and disrespected in their daily job it was never just an article about celebrating what workers were doing or appreciating how they were contributing to our campus life. I think while that is really important in terms of letting people know what issues workers are facing, I think it's really detrimental in terms of only associating workers with that and not appreciating them outside of when they really need student support and help. Because it really, really creates that culture of the only time you think of workers is when you're signing a petition for them. To me, it could create this sense of workers always needing help or students having this upper hand in this weird power dynamic. I think what we could really benefit from on campus is just, again, what SWR was trying to do my sophomore year, like more workers profiles and getting to know these people that we interact with so much. I think that would really encourage a culture of valuing every single part of our Stanford community and start those relationships in the first place that you and I talked about wanting to facilitate. We talked about how there are negative ramifications for workers who want to advocate for themselves because their jobs are on the line. Would you say that there are any negative ramifications for students who want to advocate for workers? I would say that there aren't as many, and that is why student support and advocacy is so crucial and effective during times when workers are advocating for one of their needs. Because workers face a lot of retaliation in terms of, like, if they speak out, they could have their hours lessened or they could be placed in a different location on campus without them being notified in advance. However, students do not face that. I have never personally faced any retaliation for anything I've said or posted about in relation to workers. That gives me a lot of freedom in terms of what I can communicate to administration when we're in those meetings, but also what I can write in terms of letting other students know about what's happening. That is something that I would definitely use to encourage people to engage with service workers' issues and take action beyond just becoming educated on it. Of course, I would add that 
it is well within our First Amendment rights to be able to advocate for workers and for them to be able to advocate for themselves peacefully without their jobs being on the line. Yeah, actually, the my freshman year when workers were advocating for respect and a fair workload, they had one day that they had planned in advance where all workers just wore a sticker or a button that said respect and a fair workload along with the union's logo when they were in the workplace and management actually told them to take it off and that they weren't allowed to wear those. And it wasn't even very inflammatory language or something that was in any way disrespectful to management, but they were told that they could not advocate for themselves in that very small act. It's really disappointing seeing how much workers are discouraged against speaking out for themselves. So that's just another reason that I really care about advocating for workers alongside them. So back to the ASSU a bit. Recently, we've been going through a transition and the vice president's election process. Can you talk a little more about that? Yeah, so we've spent a bulk of our past two weeks going through a pretty rapid but efficient vice president selection process. And I'm super excited to share that we've selected Chris Middleton, a graduate student in the law school, to serve as our next vice president. We just sent out the acceptance email the other day, and he'll be going through the confirmation in Senate and the Graduate Student Council this week. Well, that's pretty awesome. We don't have that many grad students in the executive core, do we? On the executive cabinet, we do. But on executive core, which is essentially just Fiona and I right now, we don't. I don't think I've ever worked with an executive core grad student. The last grad student that we had on was Rosie Shantazier. So I'm glad that we have another grad student on exec now. How do you think that diversity of perspectives is going to improve our work? I think it will greatly improve our work just in terms of having a grad voice on our team whenever we are meeting within ourselves, but also when we're meeting with admin. There's a lot of translation that needs to happen between the GSC, especially Will and Kari, and us in terms of you know learning what graduate students are experiencing and then how we can advocate for them. But with Chris on our team, with his experience as a grad student already there, that translation doesn't have to happen and will just lead to more effective advocacy, especially when we're in conversations directly with administrators. So we got an email talking about the vice president selection process, but how was it for someone who was actually on the core team? Yeah, I think it was firstly really exciting. Of course, everyone who applied to the vice president position were people that were already really passionate about student advocacy and brought a ton of amazing experience with them. It was really enjoyable, honestly, and inspiring to firstly read those applications and then get to talk to people directly about what they thought they could bring to the ASSU and their vision of how the ASSU and our advocacy across all bodies could improve. I really loved getting to know every single candidate and we were facing a really difficult decision in terms of who to finally select. So a lot of the candidates who weren't selected had very awesome ideas and visions for what the ASSU should be concentrating on in the future. And although they weren't selected, how are we planning to incorporate their visions and ideas in our future work and how are we planning to work with them? 
Yeah, definitely. There were a lot of ideas that we were really excited about from candidates who we didn't end up selecting. So that's something Viana and I have really prioritized as well. You know, thinking of places that those candidates can still fit into the ASSU other than the vice president position, because to us, it's really unfortunate to face a decision of, you know, having someone extremely involved as vice president versus not involved at all, if not vice president. We are thinking of ways to invite them as co-directors on cabinet, connect them with certain issue areas that they seemed really interested in. We're definitely still going to work through how that can be implemented. So unfortunately, that's about all the time we have for today. But I wanted to ask you, what do you have in mind for the ASSU this year and also for yourself? For the ASSU, to get into the specifics of what I really want to accomplish this year, and this is on behalf of Executive Corps as a whole, but I really want to firstly prioritize how we can support the efforts to departmentalize AAAS. BSU and BGSA have done incredible work there, and I just want to know how we can best support them in terms of advocating to the people who will be implementing the program, who are faculty and administration. Secondly, I really care about ensuring protections for sexual assault survivors. Working with our sexual violence prevention co-directors has been really amazing. They're all so incredible. And I'm really excited for where that will go this year because a lot has happened in terms of Title IX changes, you know, the ancillary process that was just released. And there's always a ton of advocacy that needs to happen there. Thirdly, going along with what this entire interview has been about I'm excited to advocate for service workers' rights on campus and continue the work that SWR did in the spring and summer. Other than that, more generally, I'm excited to increase collaboration between the ASSU and admin, increase collaboration between ASSU bodies, and also increase collaboration between the ASSU and the student body in general. I think there's a lot of ways that we can form relationships, build solidarity, and really just be there for each other, even though we are completely virtual right now. Other than that, for myself, I am actually taking a gap year right now. So it's been really nice stepping away from class for the moment, really getting to immerse myself in the issues and areas that I really care about in terms of my personal and professional life. So... I'm excited to really spend this year advocating, growing as an activist and also a designer. I'm a product design major on campus. There are a lot of places that I'm just really excited to immerse myself in for the next year or so. So what are you doing with your gap year then? Right now, I'm actually about to start working as a design fellow at the U.S. Census Bureau. I'm pretty excited for that, but I've had a good break for the past couple of weeks. So do you know what you'll be working on then? Or has that on an NDA? I don't think I can speak about that now, but I can let you know someday. (laughs) So that's about all the time we have for today. But are there any last thoughts you'd like to share? Yeah, I just want to make this an open invitation to whoever is interested in the ASSU or what I or anyone else is doing in terms of student advocacy. Please email us. For me personally, that would be giannaso at stanford.edu. I would love to hear from you and work with you however possible. Thank you so much for joining us today, Gianna. Yeah, thank you, Cricket. This was wonderful. Once again, that was our Executive Chief of Staff, Gianna So, and this has been another episode of All Students of Stanford Unite, the official podcast of the Associated Students of Stanford University and Stanford Student Enterprises. I'm your host, Cricket Beidelman, 
And if you have any questions, comments, or concerns, please feel free to email communications at assu.stanford.edu. Thanks so much, and have a great day.